I'm Denise. I'm the Scottish one. And she's a non-fiction editor. And I'm Louise, the English one. And she's a fiction editor. And together, we're the Editing Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Editing Podcast. So go on, Louise, tell everyone what we're talking about this week. So this episode came about after a writer got in touch um, to ask us if we'd provide some guidance on changing your editor. It's something she said had come up in an online writing group she's a member of and thought we might have some nuggets to share. So here we are and um, hope I hope it helps. Yeah, it's such a good topic um, because not prepping properly beforehand could leave you in a pickle. But before we dig into that, though, don't forget that in series one, episode 10, we did talk about how to find an editor. And that's definitely worth re-listening to in terms of your actual search. Yeah. But but today we're going to focus on what to think about in addition to the actual search so that you don't come unstuck. First, though, I think we should chat about why authors choose to change editors, because it's not always the result of poor quality work. In fact, that's probably the least likely scenario. Yeah, that's a really good point, Denise. So something I've had to deal with lately is the scheduling issue. An author I'd worked with twice in previous years got in touch to ask if he could schedule his new book. Problem is, I was booked up way ahead of when he was hoping the work would start. And so we did do a little bit of back and forth to see if we could find a compromise. But in the end, I was still worried I was squeezing too much in and Mm. he was still worried about the date being too far ahead, even with the juggling we discussed. And actually, it just seemed better that he worked with someone else. So that's what happened. It's a shame, but you yeah. know, he changed his editor because um, timing doesn't work. Yeah. And so did you help him find someone or did you just leave him to it? Um, yeah, I, I did help him on this occasion. I referred him to another fiction editor who I thought would be um, a good um, fit. And fortunately, she was available. Um, he still got her to do a sample edit, though, so he could evaluate her approach. But it worked out really well for everyone. I'm That's not good. stressed thinking about the timing. And he's now working with a good fit editor who can do what he wants and when he wants it. And I think it's really good he's got two people he can go to. And depending on what he's got and what we're up to, he can choose. Yeah, yeah. Having that kind of choice is really good, especially if you're a prolific writer. Um, Some business authors I know put out a lot of smaller niche books on a regular basis and they need a fast turnaround. So backup services are essential because there's no guarantee an editor will be able to slot every project into their schedule. Yep. And another reason why you might need to change your editor is that they shift the focus of their business, perhaps from proofreading to copy editing Mm -hmm. or to developmental editing. So all this means that the service provisions no longer a good fit. It's nothing personal on either side. Yeah, yeah. But still, there are times when things go wrong. Perhaps the author doesn't think the quality is up to scratch or that can happen the other way around. Perhaps the author's writing slips and the editor feels that they need a deeper level of support. And sometimes things go awry because even though no one's being intentionally awkward, life just gets in the way. And Mm -hmm. either the author or the editor can't deliver what was promised and when. So let's turn to how to manage the process. Yeah, yeah. So the first thing to do is plan ahead as far as you can. Unless your old editor gives you a recommendation, you'll be sourcing your own replacement. And that means getting sample edits from a few to check you like their approach to your writing and matching that with people who have availability when you need it. Yeah, and that is important because we were talking about this just a minute ago because editors do get booked up well in advance, sometimes um, months ahead, even a year. Yeah, yeah. So something else related to this is giving notice. Do let your current editor know that you're not going to be working with them again as soon as you can, particularly if you have 
projects penciled in with them, that'll reduce the likelihood of friction and they're being left with gaps in their schedule that they need to fill. Yeah, yeah. And be honest about why you're not going to be working with them any longer. Professional editors want to understand why a client's going elsewhere. It might help them think about how they manage the way they run their schedule or how they handle booking deposits or the wording of their cancellation policies. And that means they'll be able to provide more clarity for other authors. Actually, you've reminded me of something, Denise. Um, so if you're changing your editor and have other projects already booked in, check, do check their cancellation policy before you do or say anything. That way you'll know if you're going to um, if you're going to lose a deposit or if there are any other financial penalties. And that way you can make informed decisions based on what the impact will be. Now, if you're intent on leaving your editor and it's because the relationship has come unraveled, we recommend you keep things professional and to the point, just like any other business. The situations I've heard about where things have become upsetting have occurred because the departure was protracted and unclear. Exactly right. It's usually because um, either the editor or the author hasn't articulated their intention to end the partnership clearly and there'd been confusion around time frames and penalties. I know um, of editors and authors who've been treated rudely and unprofessionally by the other party and it could all be avoided if a business approach had been taken by the lever. So shall we chat now about more practical preparation for the new editor? Definitely, yeah. So for non-fiction and fiction, think about how you can help your new editor hit the ground running. Style sheets come into their own here. And if you already have style sheets from previous projects, send those to your new editor. Although if they're branded, it would be polite to remove the former editor's information. Yeah, we covered style sheets in episode seven of season one, but in a nutshell, these record a ton of stuff like spelling preferences, hyphenation and capitalization style, key dates, accepted and non-standard terminology, character names and traits in the case of fiction, reference styles, how numbers are rendered and, and so on. If you've already made decisions about this stuff or your former editor has on your behalf, you can get your new person up to speed quicker if they have this information. Definitely. And from the editor's viewpoint it's just such a godsend to be sent you know information that helps you hit the ground running and not having to spend time finding out all these preferences from the beginning yeah so I think it's worth talking in more detail about subjectivity and editing too Louise because that's something that's going to come into play with editing not so much with proofreading though really good point Give 10 editors a sample and they should all pick up the misplaced apostrophe and typos, but they'll recast a sentence for clarity um, in 10 different ways. Possibly. Yeah, exactly. Exact. Or, or more, 10 editors, yeah. 15, 15 different ways. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that means that if you change your editor, you do have to accept that this might mean that there's a shift in how your books read, even if it's only subtle. Uh. Yeah, and that doesn't necessarily matter, especially with standalone books, and it will probably be subtle because editors should be trying to mimic the author's style, and in the case of fiction, the character voice. But it would be disingenuous of us to ignore the fact that it is a possibility and you do need to be prepared for it, especially if you're writing a series. Yeah, and on the fiction series side of things, there are a couple of useful tools that you might want to give your new editor. The first is a chronological summary of events that will give them an overarching view of who's who and what's what. The second is a list of characters who've appeared in your series. 
I found this really useful when one of my authors moved to me and I worked on his backlist. He used um, lots of different editors for his books the first time round, and none knew what happened in any of the other books. Mm. So and when I put together a character list, I noticed discrepancies between books with some of the names, inconsistencies of spelling, for example, but also some ticks. Like lots of characters called Jimmy or James and Tyler and Skylar. He didn't even <laughs> realise he was doing it, but those names kept on pop- popping up all the time. And for series readers, it could have been confusing because they might have been making connections between people who are actually distinct characters. That's a really good point. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's what happens when you have different editors working mm. on different books in a series. Yeah. yeah. So one of the other things you can do is let your editor know your preferences, your pet peeves and any other writing tics that you're aware of. Mm -hmm. So if you hate semicolons with a passion and want them nowhere near your text, tell them. And if there's a particular referencing style that you need to adhere to, let them know. And if you know you're prone to certain turns of phrase and you want them to look out for those, compile a list and send it to them. They'll be really grateful. And following on from that, think about some of the things your former editor told you about your writing and that they often dealt with. So if you're a fiction writer and you've been told you tend to overdo the filler words or you get stuck on punctuation, telling your new editor that so that they can ready themselves to look out for the problem will make the transition smoother. Yeah. So that's it on changing editors. Let's move on to editing bytes. This is the regular part of the show where we each offer you a recommended tool or resource. So what have you got for us this week, Louise? So my bite is the NCW podcast, which is writing tips and author interviews from the National Centre for Writing. NCW is based in Norwich, where I live in a grade one listed medieval building called Dragon Hall. Such a gorgeous Ooh, lovely. name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd recommend attending any of the events, the events or tours taking place there. Um, that building is amazing, really atmospheric, but intimate. Um, anyway, there are some cracking episodes in that podcast, including the Val McDermott lecture from the Norwich Crime Writing Festival in 2018. Mark Dawson on earning six figures from self-publishing. Um, Nikki French on collaborative writing and loads more. It's gorgeous. Great. Sounds like an absolute mine of information there. Yeah. So this week, mine is actually two related bites, uh, the Oxford Dictionary of English Idiom and the Cambridge Dictionary of American Idioms. And they're both great tools if you're working with a less familiar English and you want to check sense and meaning. Yep, those two are on my bookshelf as well. They're, they're great tools. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for listening to the editing podcast. You can rate, review and subscribe via your podcatcher. And please tell your writer, editor and business friends, basically anyone who writes. You can get in touch with us via the Editing Podcast Facebook page and drop your questions in there too and we'll get back to you. And as always, all the links we've mentioned are in the show notes. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.